Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast, where we help business owners connect to their profits and earn their freedom. Join us as we discuss ways you can grow your small business, build your wealth, and help others along the way. Here's your host, Dan Cotton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are talking about training your staff. Now, we've done other episodes on staff training. In fact, I did a really amazing episode where I chatted with uh, Jess and Adam Forte about their staff training. And what I really want to talk about is educating and training your staff and, and ongoing training. Now, Jess and Adam from Forte Spirit Solutions obviously specialize in this and they do some really amazing stuff in the staff training space. But I want to talk about what you do as a business owner day to day. And it's certainly their kind of a product can be something that you add to your staff training repertoire. But what is it that you do to train and develop your staff members? Now, one of the things that we encounter the most often with our clients who we're working with who are asking us for help, aside from trying to figure out what building they can rent or, or where they're going to actually host their business, the next most common problem is finding good quality staff, especially staff that not only are knowledgeable, not only can coach the skills, but are also really good employees. And that can make for a really challenging dynamic as a as a business owner because you're left kind of figuring out how to navigate that whole world of bringing on staff and training them. And, and one of the biggest things people are looking for is kind of that plug and play option. There's a lot of uh, people out there looking for the next latest and greatest thing. Uh, you know, how much money can I throw at this problem to bring in a really great coach who's going to solve all of my woes? And I've mentioned it in previous episodes. Uh, like when I talked to Jason Larkins, we chatted about uh, how I've hired employees. I've hired staff members who I brought in from out of state because they seemed like they were going to be great. I did phone interviews. They had uh, an impressive pedigree or an impressive resume and then brought them in and it didn't go so well. Now, initially, if you'd talked to me years ago after it didn't go so well, I would have told you that one of the reasons it didn't go, the main reason it didn't go so well was them, right? They just didn't fit. They didn't understand our culture. They didn't fit in with what we wanted and what we were looking for. And while I certainly think that's a part of it, and it is absolutely an added challenge hiring an outside employee that doesn't know your business at all, there are other things at play there beyond just the employee. You know, if I really buy into the extreme ownership, there's no bad teams, only bad leaders, then I have to also put that on myself too, where did I set this employee up for success? Now, maybe they were dramatic. Maybe they did cause all sorts of problems, but that doesn't mean that there weren't things that I could have done to mitigate this situation and, and prevent it from occurring. So we're going to talk first with training our staff. Now, if you don't have a robust onboarding initial staff training, you are setting yourself up for failure. And I can tell you back when I did my first out-of-state hires, and actually I have an out-of-state hire uh, who currently works in my facility, has for the past few years, and he's phenomenal. He's great. Now, he has his challenges, as all employees do. He has his nuances, but he is a great 
overall, he is a good employee. He's a good coach and uh, we appreciate him in our business and he's, he's done a really good job. Now, things are a lot different though when I hired him versus when I hired uh, some of the people I hired way back in the day. And first and foremost is back in the day, I did not have a robust onboarding program. It was basically come on in, let's sit down and we're going to review our employee handbook. We call it our policy and procedure manual. Uh, We're going to review our employee handbook and we're going to go over what these basic policies are. And then boom, we're going to plug you in and you're going to you know, you're going to shadow me or shadow a senior coach. And then you are going to go out on the mat and you're going to start coaching. You're going to start working, just go get to it. Um, and that kind of, um, setting them loose, uh, into the world, uh, doesn't actually train them and it doesn't onboard them into how things work in your facility. And if you think that just doing a 24 hour orientation, um, and I mean 24, I mean, you know, a one day come to the gym, we're going to do all your orientation work, fill out this paperwork. Half of it is just legal taxes and all that stuff. And then you're just going to move on and everything's going to be great. I think you are, um, you're, you're giving that process too much credit and you're assuming that, your employee is going to retain all of that and in a very short period of time going to be able to just assimilate into your culture. And that could be someone who really is great and could be set up for success and do an amazing job in your gym. But when you just kind of send them out there and say, go forth and conquer, what you are doing is you're asking them to fall back on whatever it was their other habits and practices are. And you're not really giving them uh, an opportunity to learn how to do things in your business. And so you want to be really conscientious about having a robust staff onboarding and training program. Now, there are a variety of ways to do this. You can have checklists. You can do um, guided training with another employee. You can have um, online web-based uh, trainings and testings. In fact, uh there, I, I happen to know of some really cool things that are coming out for the cheer industry that will provide this stuff. They're not quite ready for launch, but there are some really, really cool things uh, coming forth in the staff uh, staff training online based where where programs can upload their own materials and employees can sit down and test out and take those courses and and get some training. Um, And they can even accomplish those things before they ever set foot in your business. And you can see what they've watched and how they've done. So there's some cool things like that. But whether even if you don't have something like that, uh, you know, I've been operating for a while without that. And we have a We have a checklist. And on our checklist, it is involves so many hours shadowing and so many hours, um, you know, going over our classes. You know, we have classes that our staff take on learning styles and we have classes that our staff watch and or are given by uh, their managers on uh, dealing with challenging customers and dealing with challenging kids and dealing with challenging parents. And so we have all of those things built that they go through and they're checked off. And really to to fully go through our initial staff onboarding and training, you cannot accomplish it in shorter than 
two 20 hour work weeks. So it, it basically is about 40 hours of training that it would take to get someone up and running. Now for us, it takes about two 20 hour work weeks because, because we're a gym, we're mostly open in the evening. So we're really only open part time, uh, in the 40 hour work week. And that's what it takes to have people be in classes and be shadowed by coaches and demonstrate proper spotting technique and proper coaching technique and get feedback and make adjustments. Now, two weeks, like I said, is the fastest you can do it. Most of our onboarding takes about four weeks because people take a little bit longer to really get their feet underneath them and understand the flow of our classes and understand the curriculum that we have built um, and all of that proprietary stuff that makes our business great. And if you're not taking the time to make sure that people understand that and are modeling the right behaviors and doing the right things, then you're not setting them up for success and you're setting yourself up for a whole bunch of frustration. So making sure that you have that robust staff onboarding process is absolutely critical. If there is one thing to look at and assess and try and plug the holes on and shore up right now today, it is that. What is your staff onboarding? What is your staff training initially when you have a new hire? And we make our experienced new hires and our new hire new hires go through that. Now, I've been actually trying to wrap my brain around how do I do that for my camp company because uh, we don't quite do the same thing with our new hires. It's kind of show up and we talk the night before and then you just kind of get thrown into it and the expectation is that you're somewhat of an expert in your field. And uh, however, I want to make sure that we're delivering a consistent product. That's been probably the, the only one real complaint I've ever had from clients is it can be somewhat inconsistent what they're getting from uh, from staff member to staff member as opposed to they all think they're all great, but some are really, really great and some are like kind of great. And so making sure that everyone is able to be kind of more consistent across the board, I think is an important thing for me to grow there. So I'm actually in the process of assessing this and that's why this is kind of on my mind. Um, now after that, if you have a robust staff training and staff onboarding, what becomes the next most important thing? And that is maintaining and growing that education. And if you are not diligently investing in maintaining your staff's proficiency, education, and growing their intelligence level, then you are doing yourself and your staff members and your customers a disservice. Imagine if you had an athlete come into your gym and that athlete walked in with a beautiful round off back handspring layout. It was beautiful. And you coached them up uh, in the first you know, six months in your program, and they not only had a beautiful roundup back handspring layout, they had a beautiful toe touch back handspring back tuck, they had a whip tuck and a punch front through to a layout, and they had all of those skills. Uh, and you coach them up to that, and you coach them through it, and you really help them achieve some really impressive success with those skills. And then you didn't coach them anymore. You just gave them no feedback, no coaching, uh, just show up and and do the work and there was no instruction and no development and no revisiting of basics or foundations nothing you just just come to practice do the routine go home and you did that for a full year would that athlete be better the same 
or potentially degraded their skills over that year. And now let's extrapolate that to being two or three or five years if you've had employees that have been with you that long or even longer and you've done nothing, like take that to be the athlete there three years later. Are they going to be better or are they going to be worse? And most likely they're going to be worse. Occasionally you might find that miraculous athlete that is motivated and doing stuff on their own. But let's take that person, that anomaly out and assume that this person is not doing a bunch of extra stuff on their own time of their own volition. And let's see where that athlete is going to be. They're going to go downhill. They're going to degrade. And the same thing is going to occur with your staff members. If you're not revisiting and you're not uh, re-engaging with those educational subjects you covered in your initial onboarding and your initial staff training, you're doing two things. One, you're telling them that those things aren't important and that they were wasting their time. They didn't need to be doing them. And two, you're not going to be reinforcing that education. So they're not going to retain it. So you're going to go, well, you were trained in this thing. Well, yeah, they were trained in it two years ago. You know, uh, some of you know that I work in the law enforcement world. That's my full-time job. I I work as, as a police officer. And currently, my current assignment is as a senior training officer. So I work a desk job. I don't go and push a patrol car. I don't get dispatched to calls anymore. And to be completely honest, even though I did it for almost 12 years that I was in a patrol car, um, whether it was when I was working in the schools or when I was working patrol, I was responding to calls. I was using my MDT and doing all these things. MDT is that computer in your car. And now if you put me in a patrol car, I couldn't even log into an MDT and remember how to dismatch myself to a call because it's a, it's a skill that I'm going to gradually lose the less I do it. And now your, your coaches, there are going to be things that they maintain because they're doing it every day, right? They're not going to forget how to coach a back handspring, but those other things, those things that make them great employees, those are going to be harder for them to maintain because they're not necessarily doing them every day. Those policies and procedures, or maybe practice dealing with difficult parents or difficult uh, client interactions, they may not be doing that every day. Or maybe you did show them how to sell your trial program, but they haven't sold one in five months. And then someone comes in and wants to buy and they're the only one in the gym and they, they can't remember the process. That doesn't mean they're a bad employee. That doesn't mean that they didn't care. And that doesn't mean that they weren't trained on it. It just means you didn't maintain that training and that education. So you need to have a good plan for how you're going to continue to reinforce the learning that has been done on the front end. You need to make sure that you are helping those employees keep those key subjects front of mind and and keep revisiting them. And you can do that through annual staff training. You should be at the very least doing kind of a long review of, of the the gym's core values and those kind of things, at least annually. And and things like core values, you should be touching on regularly in meetings, but you should be meeting with your staff regularly and reinforcing all of those educational things that you wanted them to gain from their initial onboarding. That's the maintenance phase. And you need to make sure, or not phase, the maintenance plan. You need to make sure that you're having maintenance for their initial training, keeping them up to snuff, keeping them understanding uh, what their role in the business is, making sure they understand 
how the business works and what the gym and brand's expectations are. From there, you need to have a plan for how are you educating your staff? How are you helping them continue to grow? So let's say you go back to that athlete analogy, that athlete who comes in with those skills and you train them to that, but then you never teach them anything new. You just critique the things that they are doing and just continue to drill those into perfection. They'll be good at those things just like your employee will be. But if you never train them up to the next level, you never help them grow and improve their knowledge, then how are they going to progress? And how are they going to feel like they're kind of not at that that ceiling within your business where they can never grow and progress? So these can these kind of educational opportunities can present themselves in a lot of different ways. Um, number one, there are things like conferences. There are really, really great coaches training conferences out there, whether it be Varsity U or uh, the Next Gen conferences when we provide coaches training or bringing in uh, outside coaches uh, to train in your train your staff in your facility or the USASF conference. There are so many, or the Spirit Networks conference. There are just there's so many great conferences you can go to and learn from phenomenal minds in the industry, phenomenal coaches. However, one of the things we see after those those conferences, and this is going to kind of go back to my previous point, is uh, what we'll oftentimes see is one owners divide and conquer, right? Are you spending all that money to send your coaches to these conferences? Um, if you're traveling a distance, oftentimes thousands upon thousands of dollars when you factor in hotels and flights and everything else. And what they want to do is they want to divide and conquer. So as a gym owner, I'm going to go to this class on twisting transitions and skills. And my employee, they're going to go to this class on tumbling drills. And this other employee is going to go to this class on pyramids. And we're going to divide and conquer. And what I see owners oftentimes a lot of do a lot of times do is they'll come back together and they'll be like, oh, did you learn anything cool? And they're like, yeah, I learned a bunch of cool things. And then it's like, great, tell me your favorite thing. And they tell them and then that's it. Instead of doing a like an actual deep dive post conference of what were the things you took away? What did you learn? And then how can we integrate those things into our gym and, and doing a check on learning uh, of what it was they took away and then sharing that information now amongst your own staff. So it's not just siloed within that one employee and then making a plan for how are we going to revisit these subjects and integrate these subjects so we can actually learn them completely and master them because simply attending a class at a conference is amazing. But if you don't do anything with that information, you're not going to take it anywhere. It's not going to turn into anything um, really exciting. It's going to be something that motivates you in the moment. You're going to be like, it's going to, you know, get filed away in your brain and you might pull it up and access it briefly when something specific reminds you of it. But otherwise it's just going to kind of be gone into the ether until you revisit it again. So you need to have a plan for how you're going to integrate these things. And that's going to come from getting with your staff afterwards, figuring out what it is they learned, how you can apply it to your business, and then continuing to main, do that same maintenance we talked about before where you're, you're revisiting those things, retraining on them, rediscussing them. So it's bringing them back up, back into front of mind, and they're starting to become more ingrained and more rooted into their synapses. So, so important when you start thinking about cognitive recall, how are we doing that for our athletes? And then how are we doing that for our employees as well? And then we take that a step further. So as we we start looking at growing our coaches, right? So we've got our growing them in terms of we can send them to conferences. Well, what else can we do? Well, 
read, right? We can be reading books and whether we're reading books as owners and then extrapolating those lessons learned and building them into plans and then providing training for our staff or our staff are reading books all together um, and discussing those books and discussing those learning moments and then how we can potentially apply those to our business. Those are all like, those are two different ways to do it. Now I can tell you, if you listen to my episode on, um, on culture and rebuilding culture, I was talking about the book legacy, which I, I loved it just, I mean, man, uh, life changing for me in my gym right now. And, uh, I was so fired up about it that reading that book and then reading another book that I'm currently in the process of reading, but it's very, very dense. It's a coach's guide to learning. And it is an amazing book as well. Uh, and I'll, I'll do another episode where I talk about some of the lessons learned from that, but I'm not even done with it. Um, but what it did was it inspired me to say, you know what? I don't do a good enough job training my coaches and teaching my coaches how to be better coaches. And they aren't even investing in themselves to become better coaches. So what am I doing? I'm making all of my head coaches attend required reading at the gym. Like we are going to, well, not, they're not going to do required reading at the gym, but they're going to do required reading as employees of the gym. And then from there, they are going, we're going to meet and we're going to discuss and we're going to talk about what are their lessons learned and what are the things they took from the book and how can we apply those into our business, right? Well, I'm going to, I'm continually uh, getting them to be thinking about how they can be better at their job. Now, most of the stuff we're going to stay focused on is how to be better coaches. Uh, how can we help our athletes learn? How can we educate them better? That's going to be the main focus of what we are doing, but there are so many other books you can read. Uh, we're going to read legacy. We're going to read the coach's guide to learning, and we are going to read extreme ownership. Those are my three absolutes. That's what we're going to try and, uh, chew off this year at the very least. And that, that will probably be enough for this year. The coach's guide to learning, like I said, is, is a very dense book. It is, um, very textbook like, so it's, it's great. Um, but you can only read in my personal opinion, I can only read about 10 pages at a time before I need to, I need to like give myself time to digest all of the information that I got from it. I really need to like, let that marinate and, and percolate around in my brain so I can come up with all of the lessons learned because there's so many in there. And actually some of the things that I'm talking about and some of the inspirations that I'm having as we discuss educating our staff is directly a result of reading that book as I'm thinking about how am I coaching my coaches? How am I helping them learn and become better coaches at their job? Because at the end of the day, that's my job as a gym owner is to make my staff better. So that is another option, another thing that you can be doing, but you need to be finding creative ways to be not only maintenance training your staff, but like continuing to educate them as employees. It's so, so, so important. The last thing I want to touch on here is, uh, making sure we're educating our coaches and training our staff to understand what it means to be a business owner uh, and what it takes to run the business. Now, I've talked to coaches or to owners who've said, I don't want them to know how to do all the things I do as an owner because then they're going to leave and they're going to open their own business. Look, it's possible. Uh, it absolutely is. And I know people who it's happened to, but at the end of the day, if they're going to leave and open their own business, they're going to do it no matter what. Um, so 
if you really care about this person, like educate them, help them grow. And oftentimes by investing that time and investing that energy in the employee, you're actually not going to lose them. And you're certainly going to keep them for a lot longer than you may have originally thought. Um, so educate them because this is what's going to allow people to understand that they can progress within your company, right? If they understand that they could someday manage the social media or they could someday be the all-star director or be the tumbling director or run all of your marketing, like that gives people skill sets of value that they can then turn into other future jobs. And shouldn't we want that for our employees? Shouldn't we want them to be more successful uh, in life and have valuable skills that they can contribute to the world and contribute to helping their families and themselves become more successful. So that is one of the things that you can do. Additionally, educate them on what it takes to run your business. Something that we started many, many years ago, um, actually back before I really had all that great staff training is we annually went over with our staff, what we call by the numbers. And what it was, was we laid it all out there. Like, Hey, Here's exactly what it costs to run the gym, right? This is how much rent is. This is how much payroll is. This is how much insurance is. This is how much we pay out for this and this and bills and this thing and that thing and the other thing. Oh, and all your um, extra little things you get. And when you want mats, we budget this much per year for mats and extra things. And when this breaks and maintenance and all these things, and we lay it all out there. And we go, this is how much it costs to run the business. Because I guarantee you when my employees look up there and they see on the slide that it costs roughly around 30 grand a month to run the gym, they start to realize how much more stress we are under and why we are worried about numbers and why we are worried about delivering a great product to keep people in the business. They start to get it. And then when we show them, this is how many people we have, this is how much they pay. And we start to show them where things line up slash don't line up. And then you always throw in, and then there's taxes and then there's this. And then, and it, it helps them understand. And you obviously don't want to paint a picture of a gym that is dying. Cause that's certainly not going to make your staff be motivated to work there, but you do want them to understand that there are some significant expenses to being a business owner. It's not just all, uh, have your cake and eat it too. Um, I, I actually, I was inspired to talk about this little point uh, today from looking at an, an online post of a coach who didn't quite understand uh, why it was that coaches maybe got paid what they did. Now, do I think that maybe where he was at, they may have been getting underpaid? Sure, absolutely. Uh, he the, the number he cited is what we would start someone at, not an experienced coach. But he had this really confused idea that coaches should be making like 80% of the revenue coming in per athlete versus the gym. And obviously that's, that's crazy town. That is makes absolutely no sense, but he clearly doesn't understand what it takes to run a gym. And the one thing about common sense is it's not common. And a lot of the things, you know, as an owner, you didn't know when you weren't an owner. So until you've actually done it and you've done the work, you don't really understand how hard it actually is. So my suggestion is take the time and educate your staff, help them understand what it is you do and why you do things the way that you do, uh, so they can be better employees and they can also be more invested, right? When they understand what the numbers are, people are more motivated to work hard and they're not necessarily as likely to be 
over the top greedy and say, well, I need this big of a raise because they know what the costs are. They know how expensive things are. You know, we are in a process of a renegotiation of a, of a lease and, um, it's a little bit stressful our, our landlord is wanting a, a large amount of money increased and we've been really honest with our staff about it. And we've, we came to them and we said, Hey, we need to increase our revenue by this much or we're going to be in a world of hurt. We're going to have to start laying people off and like, it is not going to be good. And you would, you would not believe how motivated our staff is. They are frequent now. Like I have employees regularly being like, I thought of a new revenue stream. I thought of another revenue stream. I let's do this. It can bring in more money for the gym. They're all in that mode because they love the business. They love what they do. They love working there and they want to see it continue. So they're now motivated to ensure the security of their job. So don't play the cards as close to the chest as you may think you need to, especially if you're a small gym, an intimate gym, you know, be honest with each other. Be honest with your employees. They'll appreciate that. Well, I hope you took something out of this episode. Uh, It has been awesome. We're going to be coming with some interviews here next week. I've got a couple lined up for tomorrow that I'm really, really excited about. One with a choreographer, uh, one with uh, Carmine from uh, cheersounds.com. It's going to be some awesome stuff, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. With that, thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Next Generation, Connecting People and Profits podcast. If you love this content, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and head over to our website to sign up for our emails with tips and tricks on how to grow your business.